Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and game master. This week, we've got a special treat for you as we are playing a game from my favorite designer. And that is, of course, One Shot's own Alex Roberts. Alex's new role-playing game, For the Queen, is available for pre-order now from Evil Hat. If you like what you hear on this week's episode, you can head over to the Evil Hat store and pre-order your own copy. Before we get started, I do want to note that this week's episode is actually not the game that we were planning on airing. Alex and I recorded another session with Alan and Claire Linick, but there was a technical issue when I was trying to download that episode, and so far it hasn't been resolved. I'm hopeful we're going to be able to recover that audio soon, and I'll still be able to air it. However, last December, Alex and I sat down with one of our Patreon backers for their birthday game, and we recorded this session. Anthony was generous enough to allow us to air his game instead. I really loved this session, and I'm so glad that I get to share it with all of you on the main feed. Hopefully, we'll also be able to recover the episode that we recorded with the Linux. But I think both games do a good job of showing off how great For the Queen is. Before we get to that, some thank yous are in order. As some of you may know, earlier this week, my spouse Mel was laid off from their job. I'm incredibly thankful to members of the OneShot community who, upon hearing that news, decided to donate to myself and Mel personally. Thanks to you, we're going to be able to keep our health insurance while Mel looks for another job. And that is incredible. I'm continually awed by the generosity and kindness of the OneShot community. And I hate to be in the position where I have to ask for more, but here I am. Thankfully, it is not for me, and that's easier to ask for. As I hope many of you know, the System Mastery Podcast is a part of the OneShot Network. Hosted by Jeff and John, System Mastery is an RPG review program where the hosts take a look at games that are older and frankly worse than the games that you hear on OneShot. For the past few years, System Mastery has been one of my all-time favorite podcasts. I love listening to them, and I'm overjoyed that they're part of the network, which is why I'm deeply sad to tell you that currently Jeff is in the hospital. Like many people in creative fields, Jeff hasn't had the opportunity to seek medical care for a long time. Last year, in a particularly bad financial scrape, Jeff had to choose between insuring himself and insuring his newborn daughter. This weekend, some of his health issues caught up with him. He's currently in the hospital with a not life-threatening, but serious condition. He's going to leave the hospital with a lot of medical bills that he can't pay himself. Which is why I'm hoping that you, my one-shot heroes, will be able to help him out. Jeff currently has a GoFundMe that you can find by going to bit.ly slash livingmastery. We have no idea how much he's going to owe by the end of his hospitalization, but it's going to be a lot. Any amount that people can give will be a huge help to him. Over the next couple of weeks, we're probably going to be putting together a few fundraising events for Jeff, but the bigger head start we have, the better. So if you love System Mastery like I do, please head over to bit.ly slash livingmastery and make a small donation so that hopefully Jeff can leave the hospital debt-free and go home to his daughter. And with all of that out of the way, I'll see you in the mid-roll, heroes. You two got to play with the prototype deck, right? So the one that actually has cards. Uh, uh i got to play with the handwritten note cards oh you played with the director's cut okay yeah. cool so that means that i explained kind of the premise and the rules verbally to you and then we just jumped right into uh question cards but anthony i think you got this the more polished experience where we actually go through um, and read the rules and the premise collectively. Not to spoil the memory, but we also got the index cards. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Which is like another reason why I kept blowing my mind with how good this game was. Because <laughs> I just couldn't come here. I was like, this is just questions on an index card. Yeah, it's just a pile of trash when you look at it. <laughs> like, <it's just> like... <laughs> the most beautiful introspective trash that wrecked me for like three weeks later. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'm even happier that you get to see this like super extra beautiful version of the game. So the way that it's kind of meant to be played is instead of having me explain things and then we jump right into questions, we start taking turns, not with the prompts but with the instructions so what i'll do is open up the instruction cards and i will deal them one by one and we can go in whatever order we would like to read them out in the same way that we would go around and just read the um read the questions does that make sense who wants to go first 
Go around the table clockwise, taking turns reading these cards aloud. The land you live in has been at war for as long as any of you have been alive. The queen has decided to undertake a long and perilous journey to broker an alliance with a distance power. The queen has chosen all of you and no one else to be her retinue and accompany her on this journey. She chose you because she knows that you love her. You are welcome to look through the queen cards for inspiration. If there is one that seems right for the group, place it on the table to inspire your story. Cool. So I think there's 12 cards in here, and I'm going to deal them out. There we go. go. Okay, well, I'm just going to toss them out here. So here's here's my thing about like the queen cards. We can pick these if we want. We can just look mm-hmm. at them. We can have some of them on the table. We can have all of them on the table. We can like just like choose one and be like, oh yeah, this is gonna be our queen. Or like you you both know what it's like to just have absolutely nothing on the table visually and kind of see what that looks like. I am down for whatever way that we want to be inspired by these is like very cool with me. I shouldn't have a favorite, but like check out this bitch. Yeah, no, I, Alex, (laughs) we know who your favorite is. Uh, I I think the queen cards offer the opportunity of like an interesting way to set tone. Mm. Oh, shoot. I never thought of that. You're right. Because like if you play with these dark red queens, you know where the story might be going Mm. there. And like, actually, in this game, Alex, I had never, literally never pictured the queen as an older person. Hmm. And I don't, I don't know why. I think that has to do with the like general paucity of like crone women, powerful crones in just like media in general, you know, like it's just. That very well could be. Um, Are there any that are like speaking to people that, that people are just like, whoa, holy crap. I'm really excited about that one i mean i certainly appreciate the non-white queens <laughs> and it's because even myself i i often just kind of default to like medieval europe mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just merely just think of that so honestly i'm i think like the top left two speak to me and obviously like the two super dark red ones mm-hmm. and the horn one <laughs> i'm like very into this like gentle queen with dog yeah, I was going to say, as soon as she came out, she's like, she's got a dog. How could she be bad <laughs> at all? <laughs> uh, I can't think of a single person with a dog who's bad. So. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Okay. So both of these, very good. It sounds like um, this one, can I do that? Oh, yeah. Look at that circle thing, is the one that we are all kind of intrigued by right now. That's the common one. So we can put her on the table and just kind of just let that be our, our initial impression of the queen. Cool. Excellent. I forget whose turn it is, but here is the next card to read. Set the card that reads, the queen is under attack. Do you defend her? Aside. Look at that. Hey, right we've there. done that. Shuffle the red prompt cards and place them face down in the center of the table. Put the Queen is Under Attack card in the middle of the deck for a game that takes approximately 30 minutes, or shuffle it into the bottom third of the deck to play for an hour or more. Okay, cool. So it's pretty far down there. When you have read the instruction cards, continue clockwise with the red prompt cards. Take turns reading the questions out loud, interpret those questions, and answer them however you wish. Place the X card somewhere everyone can easily reach it. So that's this guy over here. We will re- read these as written, but um, in this context, because we don't really see each other kind of tapping something, like it doesn't have that very visual component, you can say, I'm going to X that, or I'd like to X card that or, or whatever. We'll, we'll kind of figure out that part. If you encounter a card or an answer that you don't want to be included in the game, tap the X card, that content is removed from the game. If you draw a card that is removed this way, simply draw another card. You can X a card that you drew yourself. You can also pass on your turn. To do so, give the prompt card you drew to the next player and say, I'd like to hear your answer to this question. A prompt card can be passed around the table until someone applies the X card to it. Continue answering, passing, and Xing questions until the queen is under attack card is drawn. Each player should answer that question in turn. Then, the game is over. Whoever wants to can draw the first prompt card. <laughs> so we can continue in order if you want. Why not? I feel like. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm going to draw the first question card. When did you know you were in love with the queen? Boy, I think back before the queen was the queen, she pulled one of those princess who runs away from the palace and mixes with the common folk scenarios. And I was tasked with retrieving her. So I was led on this winding chase around the palatial city because I, I like I think she made it outside the palace walls, but it operates sort of forbidden city style where there are several outer walls and there's like kind of an interior royal court that has a, a larger city built around it. So in this, uh, when she was younger, she didn't quite actually penetrate out into the areas full of truly common folk, but uh, she did go to like more noble markets and things. And it was a grand chase that I think had a rooftop uh, chase element to it where she was dashing across rooftops. And I think there was a moment where we were dueling it out with a uh, like quarter staffs on a rooftop and i was you know trying to issue firm instructions like that 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 she must return to the palace it is not proper to be out here like this and her response was just to throw me to the ground and i think at that moment staring up from my back through the moon and stars uh seeing this uh defiant and and strong-willed person standing in front of me and above me with a quarter staff uh that is the moment that i knew i was in love mm, with the queen yeah i like your answer <laughs> I, was, I was trying to figure out which side you were being i agree you chasing or being chasing. <laughs> man, oh, man that's wonderful what do you do for the queen that anyone else can do and why does she make you do it i think it it must be something very domestic you know it must be something to do with like washing her clothes or something like not something so intimate as as you know dressing her or washing her hair but something like setting out all of her jewelry or something and and i i think she makes me do it because i'm just a, just a tiny bit obsessive and she knows that i'm careful she knows that she can set me to extremely specific tasks, you know, like even repairing small pieces of like very fine embroidery. That's something that she trusts me with very specifically. And, and she knows that, you know, once I get kind of really focused on something, like I'll stay up all night doing it by candlelight. And so, yeah, I think, I think it's like taking care of her garments is one thing that she's like, no, it has to, it has to be me to do it. Like, when it's not you, something will get damaged or misplaced and <laughs> the whole process falls apart. Yeah, definitely. Has there ever been a time where someone like you were unable to do it because you were sick or you were just away and someone else did it and they're Yeah. Um like, if anything came out of that. One time I was like out doing errands and I was kind of away for longer than I expected and she had someone else repair a hem. And it wasn't a big deal and it was fine. But when I heard from someone else at the palace that that they had done that, I just had this like like jolt of anxiety just run through my body when I heard about that. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like, I hope they did a good job. I specifically hope that they screwed up. <laughs> Ooh, I love it. What did you bring with you to protect the queen? I would say that I brought my silver tongue hmm. to protect the queen. More often than that, sometimes, especially with a small retinue, you have to be able to move quickly, move quietly. If necessary, I'm sure we'd be able to fight, but especially how I've been able to handle things within her court and how I've been able to de-escalate more than escalate and Maybe it's selfish. Maybe it's like a self-importance to know that I can do it. Maybe it's part laziness that I just don't want to get hassled. But a lot of just quick talking, but genuine and not not like without malice. This this is interesting. I, I like some of the details that came out in this. How confident is your character in these abilities? You did state silver tongue and then walked it back a little bit. Is that because of the character's anxiety? Like they're worried that they won't actually be able to hold up when when it comes to it i think there was a time where 
I've always had this natural gift and I've never had to try hard to do it. And then there was a time that I failed and it was a time when it was a diplomatic meeting with a neighboring country and I flubbed it real hard and I didn't know I could do that. So it's just kind of reminding myself that these gifts aren't free and just because I can do it doesn't mean I can always do it well. And now the stakes are higher than ever. And now the stakes are higher than ever. I think doing that kind of diplomacy requires like a lot of emotional control or like non-reactivity. And so I'm curious, what makes you mad? Mm -hmm. Oh, everything makes me mad. (laughs) (laughs) Just every, it's like, it sounds like from when she keeps you to do like a range of jewelries. Like I also am very good at Mm. like noticing attention to detail and protocol. And it's not like I'm a stickler for rules, but I'm a stickler for like edicts and orders. So it should, regardless of things are being carried out to the letter, it should be carried out. So when people kind of ignore it or say, it's like, well, the queen's not around, so we don't have to really worry about it. Or that's just something that's just superfluous. I probably start tweaking out. Cool. Ooh, the queen gave you a compliment once. What was it and why have her words stayed with you? I think, you know, obviously we kind of grew up a little bit around each other. I was in some sort of palace guard role as a younger person. Uh, And as I grew up, uh, especially, you know, kind of related to the familiarity that I had with her and the mentors that I had, I grew into a more organizational role of the palace guards. And I think during the plans for the coronation, um, like, I, I, I think there was a security detail that I pointed out in the planning. Um, And, you know, obviously at this point, the queen is still very young. uh, And most of the people who are, you know, really running the country right now uh, are all the people who were advisors to the queen's uh, parents at, at the time. So I was not very high up, but I, pointed out a way things could be organized differently or structured differently. And I think I was shut down and dressed down pretty hard by people who are very keen on keeping their positions of power. Like, I I think the queen agreed with me, um, but was still very new to her role and didn't uh, feel that uh, she could have spoken in my defense. So I think she had a handmaiden carry a message to me, letting me know that she agreed with my plans, even if it wasn't the time to enact them. I got this message while I was receiving whatever punishment I was receiving. <laughs> How did she say those things to you? I, I think it was through the words of this handmaiden. I, I think um, I like the idea of our kingdom doing some sort of uh, larger, more ceremonial version of like very early American humiliation based punishments. So like oh, it's sure. like yeah, stocks yeah. or something, right? It's like this person spoke out of turn, whatever, but like there's mm-hmm. a lot more ceremony around it um, because it can happen to people in very high positions. Um, so, oh, oh yeah. And I'm sorry to jump in, Mm -hmm. but like based on your sort of like social position, you would get different humiliations, like put in different stocks. Yes. Yes. Like there are certain things that they wouldn't do to you, but like if a like commoner did the same thing that they would have like a worse or just like, oh yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, I, I think it's one thing, like the society just accepts without question that, oh yeah, when, when you do something wrong, you, you get humiliated in, in this very public place. Mm-hmm. It's just as a person of a certain social class, like you must be humiliated in a way that is acceptable for your station. Um, yes, yes, exactly. So is it a severity thing based on class or is it like punishment fits the crime? I, I so. think there there are two tracks with it, right? Um, like there's definitely if you have really, really screwed up very badly, you might get whipped. Um, 
in stocks, but like there's also potential that you you might just receive a certain amount of time in stocks or uh, certain people are invited to witness uh, this. Like I think if you screw up very badly, your family has to be brought out to watch you serve your punishment along with you um, and things like that. So I, I think this was probably a punishment where I was getting whipped, but like I was allowed to keep my clothing on. So it's like not even a whip that's going to hurt you very badly, but it's, it's still more humiliating than just being out there or just having somebody dress you down verbally. Um, And so I think while uh, a person of a certain social class is whipped, uh, if you are of a higher social class, you're allowed to have like a physician attend to you or people to wipe sweat from your brow so that you uphold the dignity of your station, even when in this compromising position. And I think the queen dispatched this handmaiden um, and it was very confusing. Like I thought, oh man, you have really messed up that the queen has sent one of her own <laughs> agents to witness your punishment. But towards the end of the punishment the handmaiden leaned in to whisper to me that the queen did like did in fact like my ideas uh and she regrets that this punishment had to take place uh and through years because like i can't for for a very long time i wasn't able to directly interact with the queen because it, it's just not done for for a guard of my station uh, I held on to those words to be like, no, my ideas are good and important, even if not everybody's ready to hear them. Dang, I'm just like so ready to like sociologically analyze <laughs> the punishment culture. <laughs> like we could we could really go on in that. I want to. I have excited. Uh, my head cannon is extensive. I'm going to draw another card. From... <laughs> um. Okay, back to the present. You have a personal connection to the land you are currently traveling through. What makes you want to stay and why don't you? This is where my family is from. And that doesn't make me want to stay because I didn't have a strong attachment to my home life. And, you know, probably not all of them are alive anymore. Um, That doesn't hold much for me. But when we're walking through it's the mountains and we're walking through the mountains and it's just on a particularly bright and beautiful and humid day that I start thinking about, I start thinking about this girl who I was in love with, you know, when I was like a teenager, I'm, I just think like, like she must still be in this land. You know, is she still around? Did she, what is she doing now? She must've grown up. Did she get married? Maybe to who? And I start thinking about who it might have been. And and then I start thinking about how far we are from the village where I grew up. And I I don't because I'm so sure that I would be disappointed. Mm. I mean, beyond my duty to the queen and my desire for the queen and just wanting to be here, I'm just so sure that no matter what I think about the potential, uh, I'm I'm just positive that I would be disappointed, you know? Oh, that's interesting. So what's the farthest extent these fantasies uh, have taken? Was there a moment that it occurred to you that you could leave this retinue and and pursue this this life that you had left behind? Oh, yeah, because it occurred to me as we were walking and I tried to kind of sweep it out of my mind. But then when we made camp that night and I was trying to go to sleep, I just thought about it more. I was thinking about her and... It occurred to me how long it had been since I allowed myself to think about her. And I was like, it's middle of the night. It's, you know, it's my watch, let's say. And I could just go. I could just leave. And so it became not, I can't, but I really, that, that was the moment when I really decided not to. That's good. Oh, my heart. <laughs> I want to drill down on the disappointment a tiny bit more. Um, when you yes, say please. disappointed, what would disappoint you? Well, that either that she wouldn't be there mm-hmm. or that something happened. Maybe she's, I don't even know if she's still alive or that she would have just 
you know, forgotten about me and married someone and be, you know, in a happy family. Okay. So that there were, I, I was imagining a potential disappointment would be that like you would show up there and because you had this affiliation with, with this, you know, foreign power, because that's what we are traveling through these lands that you might not be adequate enough for this person, no matter what their state was. Oh man. Very good. Very no. good. <laughs> the queen thinks more highly of you than you do of yourself. How do you know this? Number one, too real. <laughs> <laughs> Feel very personally attacked. Yeah, this game, this game called me out. Put that quote on the box. <laughs> I got blown up. Um, I know this because even well, I was brought on this retinue. Number one, because I definitely didn't believe that I should have gone. Like, I'm, even though I'm very good at de escalating, I'm not great at, I'm not the best at negotiating. Certainly not super strong or fast or like a good fighter. And I think just even her asking for my presence to be around is something that I hold on to so dearly. Like, even though I have, I believe I have this gift that I don't even value, that sh the fact that she finds value in it makes me value myself. And it's just very much seeking that, ex like, bathing in that external validation. And I would say, besides just, like, having me around, I believe, like, she actually gifted me, like, a pin or a brooch or just something to just kind of, like, wear on my person in like court it's not necessarily a distinguishing mark of respect or importance but just a very it's a very personal gift that i can wear that i know it's from her and that i and i always make sure that i wear it when ever i'm assigned or with her Ooh, this is this is the second yeah. thing that the queen has like privately bestowed favor that's her style yeah. What what is the symbol? Is it like a, a an animal, a, a flower? I actually I would say like I don't. It's something that's very organic and like smooth lines and could be an animal. It could be a flower. I don't recognize it for sure, mm. but it is something that's beautiful but subtle. Oh, cool! So it's just like this abstract. Yeah. Ooh, great. Okay, yes. I'm just <laughs> I'm writing this down, you know, <laughs> so to speak. Um. Yeah, I want this to come back. How does the queen remind you of her status while on the journey? It, it feels like the society that we have has a lot of ceremony to hierarchy. So I, I feel like it's one of those societies that has rules about how certain things have to be washed and who is allowed to touch what. Um, especially when it comes to the royal family. And I think even though we're a small four-person retinue traveling through the woods and stuff, that still has to be maintained, even in situations where it's completely impractical. So I, I, I think the queen's dishes and whatnot have to be washed in a separate body of water than everyone else's which means sometimes that we don't get to use water to wash the utensils that we use because there are no other rivers or, or no other pools or lakes around this queen seems very into like privately being very kind and sweet but holding everything externally like with kind of like established modes of power. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like one of those societies where you might have a privately very progressive queen, but just the way the society is structured, you, you can't break that without breaking the society. Is there a hierarchy that she kind of maintains between the three of us? Ooh. Oh, I do like that. Yeah. Tell us, James. <laughs> yes, tell us. <laughs> I, again, I think it has a lot to do uh, what can 
uh, with what can possibly be a shared resource. I'm like ultimately of some sort of military class, even if I was an interior royal guard or in an organizational capacity, I am not even close to a noble birth. So I think there are certain things that I cannot touch that like, for instance, Anthony's character is allowed to touch. So, gosh, like I can't dispose of waste in the same area uh, that like Anthony can dispose of waste. And like that has to be enforced because <laughs> that is our culture and we can't let that go away. Sure. If anything, it's more important to her because we're on this journey. Yeah. And it makes things wildly impractical. And gosh, I like how it sounds like none of us in this group are particularly well suited for this type of journey, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, extremely suspicious, actually. <laughs> it's wild because, like, even though you can't wash in the same place, like, you probably still have to maintain like a really well kept mm -hmm. hygiene. So just life is just really hard <laughs> once you go to each one of us. <laughs> like needlessly so. Yeah. Oh wow. Hey heroes, welcome to the mid-roll. If you're liking what you're hearing this week, I want to remind you that you can pre-order for the Queen from Evil Hat directly. All you have to do is follow the link in the show notes to pre-order your own copy. Normally, this is the place in the show where we have advertisements, but we don't have any to share with you this week, so I wanted to take a little bit more time to promote bit.ly slash livingmastery, our fundraiser to help network partner Jeff Aldrich with his hospital bills. Before we get you back into this week's episode of For the Queen, I'd like to take a quick moment and thank some of our backers on Patreon. Our Patreon supporters help us do everything that we do here at the network, including producing shows like One Shot and Campaign, along with providing support for every other show on the network. We would not be able to do any of this without you. So without further ado, Amadeus, thank you so much. Will Johnson, thank you. Justin Van Ness, thank you so much. Stormshot, thank you. C.D.B., thank you very much. Jesper Vestergaard, thank you so much. Patrick O'Malley, thank you. Ronald Lewis Jr., thank you very much. Terry Palenti, thank you so much. Lexi, thank you very much. MKP, thank you. Either Job or Job, thank you very much. Michael Zochi, thank you so much. Carolyn Anspach, thank you. Peter Tripp, thank you very much. Ambiguous Anarchist, thank you. Hark, thank you so much. Philip Rogers, thank you. Ben White, thank you very much. And Andrew Vaca, thank you so much. Thanks again to everyone who supports us through Patreon. We would not be able to do any of this without your help. What is something you do for the royal family that has prepared you well for this journey? Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay because this one thing, this one. Uh, besides repairing garments, I... Let me think. I mean, I wash things. I just, I scrub steps, you know, and like, and, and wash dishes and wash garments. Like that's all I do all day at the palace. That's my, that's my deal. That's my job. And I think I, I spend a lot of time carrying out really specific, largely invisible kind of labors like that. And so all of these things are just completely second nature to me. And so it makes things kind of smooth. And I think also most of what I do is just really, really hard physical labor. And so even though, you know, I'm not like a, a warrior or something, most of this journey is just like trudging through stuff and just like carrying stuff and attending to our queen's like companion animal and like... <laughs> Wait. You know, like scrubbing horses. Okay, it was a horse. Okay. Yeah, I think maybe maybe I'm. It's it's a lot easier for me to just work really hard all damn day, and then sleep like a log. And so I'm, even though in many ways I seem like a bizarre choice for this journey, um, I'm actually kind of like better able to cope with it. Hmm. 
like I just view life as like extremely difficult. And so I'm like, yeah, okay, this tracks. That's that's really cool. <laughs> I like the more we find out, my my person is definitely falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like my person just doesn't know what's going on half the time. The queen had you punished once. What about the memory of that will stay with you forever? Ooh. So I will say this probably happened when like I flubbed that diplomatic meeting and I have a twin and then she got put into the stocks. <laughs> so just like one of those eerie like watching yourselves. And the thing is like, since it was such a, it was a very important meeting that I think, I think that my twin was put to like death, not just like, it was just like straight execution, but I think the punishment was so severe that I just had to watch wow. and she forced me to watch. Boy. Wow. Okay. Wow. So it's like, it's like you screwed up really bad, but I still need you. So I'm just going to punish you in this the worst way possible. Yes. Like the, like, yeah. Cause she knows. Yeah. Like she knows I wouldn't be able to handle it physically and she needs me like mentally sound, but she also knows that I'm like, severely insecure and suffer from like anxiety so just it was one of those just watching me watch the punishment i think the memory that stayed with me too is that she was also with me watching the punishment and made sure that we watched it together okay i have questions um, so <laughs> yes. I know that uh, this was a particularly bad situation for the kingdom, this this diplomatic flub that you had. Does the punishment, this punishment, does that fit the crime that you committed? Is it greater or, or lesser than uh, what society would normally dictate the crime be? Like, I want to know how much of the queen's influence was in, sure. involved in this and which way she would have pushed it. <clears throat> So I have a question for both of you of how this, like how this punish, I know we could talk about this punishment system for a while, but uh, I'm thinking like, I'm playing out with an idea that to kind of ease tension that she also let the other diplomats partake in the punishing. Oh. And like, they just kind of flew off the handle and got like way too into it. Oh, interesting. Okay. So these, these aren't even people who are uh, typically yeah. a part of the culture that were invited to participate as some form of appeasement. Like they were, like they were chaperoned by the normal tor torturers, but like they were, they got to extend it with their own, with their own hands. How does that? Yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah. That, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Jeez. Was the queen surprised by what ended up happening? Or, you know, were you surprised? I can, you, I was about to say, like, I, I mean, I was horrified, but the queen keeps it together. She's stone-faced, just mat, like composure and grace. It's as if the leaves turned and then began falling off the trees. It's just it's one of those moments where, like, I am like horrified and sobbing, but she, I, I can't tell whether that's the way she holds herself and she held herself like very, very regal and still reminded of her position in these like very, like in this, our very strict society or whether if it just didn't affect her at all. I choose to believe that it was because of composure and grace <laughs> or else I don't know if I could keep going. <laughs> so you're still not sure it sounds like to this yeah. day how she actually felt about oh, what I, I mean i i think i know yeah why would she yeah why would she enjoy that that seems mm -hmm. terrible i i certainly lie to myself that about that certainty but i'm yes 100 percent unsure it's like a creeping doubt that's if something else were to happen, it just kind of pops back into my brain. And it's something that I try to repress and hide as much as I can. But of course, like late nights at watch by yourself, like by myself, it just creeps up by some random thing, some random memory that I shared with my sister. And it just kind of like flushes it all back and flashes until I just like crush it all back and then try to numb it out and just finish my shift. 
Ooh, I love it. Oh, great. Oh, we're also haunted on this journey. I love all of the possible <laughs> deniability. <laughs> Why do you think the queen trusts you enough to bring you on this journey? She must have shown me something. Something that I shouldn't have been allowed to see. I haven't quite figured out what it is yet. And you certainly had your attention to detail. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I was... If there was some way that I could serve her by this, or... Like, what did I, I help me out here? Like, what is an interesting thing that would be just kind of taboo for me to see? I mean, there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's lot. a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's weird. The first thing that kind of came to my head, it was like, there's, there'd be some sort of trial that requires like some crazy puzzle solving with like atten- some crazy attention to detail with like sweeping lines and just like putting everything together while it's in a kind of a chaotic and under duress, but like you'd be able to keep your wits about you to do it. I agree with you. And I think this particular challenge that requires that sort of like really, really specific, focused, dedicated thought is actually to make something. I think when our queen was betrothed, I'm going to introduce a lot. So everyone just like walk it back if there's something that you don't. Uh, I'm I'm so (laughs) ready for it. I just sat back. So (laughs) When, When our queen was betrothed, it's customary to make a garment that only your husband will see. Oh, yes. And she brought me in and was like, like it was, it was absolutely acknowledged that I could never tell anyone about this. Because it's 100% completely forbidden. And really, who's going to end up in the guillotine? Me, not her. Um, But yeah, she brought me in. And she wanted me to do it. She was like, actually, it's somewhat close to visibly upset working on this thing. And she needed me to do it. Mm -hmm. And so this thing that she was supposed to make and that no one else was ever supposed to see she brought me in and I spent this long, long night um, in this private evening, just me and the queen silently working on this thing that she was going to wear. And it was done just before daybreak. And yeah, and I was done and she was happy with it and she dismissed me. Oh, that's so good. Mm-hmm. So I want to know, was the queen, when she brought you in was that the point that all of the societal norms fell to the wayside or did she like bring you in and you at first had to try and like not look at the entire garment or something like that was there a trial and error period where you both slowly together had to walk back things that had to be forbidden for the sake of this project that you're working on um i think You know, she invites me in and she talks around it a little bit and just kind of impresses upon me that she has something that she needs me to do and she needs me to never speak of. And as she's starting to explain in very vague, kind of beating around the bush terms what she's about to ask me to do, I slowly am kind of starting to realize and my heart is pounding. Mm -hmm. And so... When, So when she opens her gown and shows me this sort of half-finished thing, like I'm, I know what's happening, but there's no way that I could have been prepared for that emotionally. Oh, that, that's very good. That's very, very good. I mean, how could anyone be prepared? No one's, <laughs> no one's ever done that before. As far as, as, we, far know. as we know. Oh, yeah. Did we skip James? <gasps> oh, no. We did, Okay, but it's fine. James, this is your question, and then we'll go to Anthony. Yes, yes. Oh, you were summoned to a private meeting with the queen once. Why did you feel disappointed afterwards? Oh, man. I was summoned to a private meeting with the queen, and it was a very high-level meeting where we were talking about some form of military strategy. 
you know, maybe even like table-based military strategy. And she was asking for my input on it. Uh, and it's like a secret meeting. Um, I think I had been woken up from my bed very late at night by one of her handmaidens and brought into this room where clearly, uh, I think like on the table, you could see that there were still warm cups of tea and like a military retinue would have. So it was clear that she had dismissed a lot of high-level military people from the room in order to consort with me about these plans. I thought that for sure, if I had been brought brought in for something like that, that I was going to receive a promotion or perhaps be like afterwards at some point be declared to be of noble blood or, or, or something like that. But instead, I was asked for my perspective on uh, things that, you know, a person like me is not trained on and, and should not have opinions about. I gave her those opinions and then I was secreted out of the room uh, and like other people were brought back in the room so the meeting could continue. So I thought this was like finally going to be a moment where after years and years of good service as a palace guard, uh, I was going to be applied to other areas and, uh, you know, really start moving up in the world. But it was, again, uh, the queen secretly asking me for my input and then secreting me away. I think even mixed with that disappointment is perhaps a little bit of relief, too, because I did know, at least in doing that, the queen was taking pains to ensure that I did not suffer additional punishment for, you know, voicing my opinion on matters where I should have none. So there's there's mixed emotions there, too. That sucks, and I'm mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> Was that the only chance you ever got to have, like, a private meeting like that? Uh, you know what? I think that's like a pattern it's just the first like i think after the first time when when that happened and then nothing changed afterwards it it became clear to me that just the new normal is that i was also going to be expected to serve in these matters but i would not receive any any of the benefits of the social benefits that accompany someone of that station, which also means that if I failed her in a circumstance like that, I would probably be made example of in some way. Like I would also risk the same punishments that people of that station risk, but not have their protections. And like, I, I'm just taking on all of the strain and stress of that role uh, without any of the benefits of that role. And, and that has oh, yeah. definitely... This, that's why I'm me. mad. I'm so mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> Typical. We started our... The queen trusts you, but no one else in the royal court does. Why? So I will say that, like, my sister and I were, like, the seventh daughters of, like, a high noble family. And it's kind of we're probably supposed to just be promised to be wed and just kind of forming family bonds and or any sort of like treaty or anything like that, just like a political move. But I do what I do in the court because I enjoy it and because I don't have an angle or ambition to rise above my station. Everyone in the court inherently distrusts that kind of motive because with everyone else, you know that they'll stab you in the back when they get the chance, just don't give them the chance. But with me, they don't know. And they don't know my intention. They don't know my loyalty and love for the queen. And I would say that after the gift that, that she gave me was after I and my, I and my sister were punished. So it's kind of like this, these waves of, doubt and reaffirmation and yeah i i'm in the court because 
I'm entitled to be in the court from a noble from a noble birth, even though like low on the familial line, but I do it because I'm good at it and I do it because I like doing it, not because I need anything from it. You kind of describe yourself as someone of of low ambition. And so I'm curious about like does something in the queen change that? I would say since she's valued my skills when I thought like life was kind of easy, I just kind of was cruising. She's kind of given me purpose with my gifts. Without it, I would just be someone's wife. So this has given me an opportunity to go beyond that. And my goal is just to ma- kind of maintain that and really constantly seeking her validation and affirmation. Man, so yeah, you wade into this political viper pit and really the only thing that you're getting out of it is the fact that the queen is acknowledging you. In like very <sighs> non-public, like sparing ways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all the, you know, what yeah. healthy relationships are made out of. It's hard to have a very healthy relationship <laughs> with a queen. Power dynamics, you know? Yeah, I get that. Which is why I accept all of the small mercies <laughs> in private that I can get. Any, and I would say our our court and our society is one built out of like strict tradition, but also like subtleties. So any sort of like turn of the eye in my direction, any sort of kind of tilt of the head, like slight turn of the body, like I would interpret Mm -hmm. that as favor. Okay. Should the next question go to me or James? Oh yeah. I guess we can, we can return to the default order. Yeah. So I was in character and just rules. <laughs> Very important <laughs> to us. You are considered beautiful by almost everyone you meet. How does the queen make you question that perception? I think I am most definitely a physical specimen, and <laughs> I, I, I'm put, I'm put through, I'm put through a lot of physical training, uh, uh, especially being a royal guard. It, it's one of those things where they're not just drafting uh, the strongest, hardiest warriors. It's like uh, the top 10% most preventable strongest hardiest warriors are the people who go on to actually be the honor guard because there's there's a huge ceremonial element to it uh in the United States army for example uh soldiers who carry uh like heads of the caskets of head of, heads of state like the pallbearers for our heads of state have strict regulations around what they're supposed to look like so Wait, you I'm can sorry. get a pain i'm sorry one second mm-hmm. you have to be hot in order to carry like it's 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 not hot necessarily uh but like you're not allowed to get certain tattoos so for example uh <laughs> your military uniform like is is not just where your tattoos are so if you meet a military pallbearer especially one who works with heads of state who would like you know a mayor or a governor or you know a president uh unlike a lot of military people they would probably have very few tattoos uh they also have to be a standard regulation height and it's a, a thing where like it's not a spoken rule, but like, uh, you know, military command is probably also making uh, those folks look presentable on camera. It's not like people with noticeable scars or anything like that. And people have lost their pallbearer status for things like scars or or a tooth falling out or, or something like that, you know. So I think this society amps that up uh, where honor guards are also hot um (laughs) but i i think uh it's the sort of thing where you can look upon people of noble birth can look upon the honor guard uh but they're not supposed to like meet eye contact or certain things and it's very common and i think there's probably even a common uh like 
idiom that involves like the eyes of a noble lingering upon an honor guard uh and the idea where oh this is this is a steadfast societal rule that literally everyone breaks uh oh right right open secret kind of thing exactly so the queen the queen's look never lingers on me and it has definitely thrown that into question where I I am used to being ogled by uh, all sorts of people in court as they come through, but the queen's look never lingers on me. And it, I, I feel like I feel that physically and metaphorically too. Like I'm, I'm also, I've got an exceptional strategic mind and whatnot, but uh, even though the queen, uh, acknowledges that it's it's a secret acknowledgement a hidden acknowledgement uh and her gaze never lingers far uh in public so uh i feel that all sorts of ways i've got a beautiful body a beautiful mind and it it means nothing to her uh which questions a lot of how valuable having either of those things is ultimately so i have a question about are you her personal guard or are you part of like the kind of the battalion or whatever like the group of the guard like or or like are you personally there so this actually happens a lot more often or this kind of happens yeah i think i'm one of the guards that's in the room most of the time these days especially so and and i'm probably day shift right but that there are like certain things where in in strategic meetings or whatever, like uh, there will people will be dismissed for for tea or uh, you know there there's probably some sort of ceremonial rule concerning restroom breaks or whatnot, and in that period of time, that is when uh, the room will be cleared and the queen will ask me for input, and then uh, the meeting will reset at a point later on. So I I am most of the time in the room and I have organizational roles. So for certain ceremonies that require public ex- uh, appearances by the queen, um, I am allowed or I am the one entrusted with setting the strategy. And I think these days, uh, a lot of what I do is also uh, picking uh, certain people to join the honor guard for, for one reason or another. So I have an organizational role, um, but I'm also a very senior member who is very close to the queen because that is my, the part of my station. So that means she ignores you a lot in that aspect. How does that make you feel? Oh, like dirt, my dude. (laughs) Um, but like, and I, I think that the tough part of it is I know that beneath that, uh, and, and here's the thing, because it's not just her doing that that's hurtful. It's the fact that when she does that, and I, I think there is a good chance that she is doing that to protect the secret of the other uses that she has for me. Um but because she has to do that and it happens in a very public way, other people do take notice. And even though I have a fairly, you know, high up position, uh, there are some people in the noble court who will treat me as though I am not a favored subject because I am not a subject who is favored publicly. And part of that is to protect, you know, both the queen's reputation and my reputation because like it you do get punished when you voice your opinion on matters that you're not supposed to have an opinion on. So it's sort of for my good, but it also comes back to bite me in a really tough way. And the only way that things would change is if uh, my station changed to nobility somehow. And it's become very apparent that that's not going to happen. Have you ever gotten the impression from anyone that they think that you're having an affair with the queen? Oh man. There's there's got to be some people who who have probed for that information, like never directly, um but like the the super canny political navigators in the high level of court, the people who are all about keeping royal and noble gossip, like those people for sure have been sending feelers out for a long time on that 
Uh, and I, I think, well, I'm good at uh, military strategy. I don't think I'm necessarily good at social strategy. So I, I think it causes my family a lot of stress. Right. Because you don't know what to do about that. You wouldn't know how to deflect or use those rumors. Exactly. There's there's absolutely nothing that can be done. Uh, and it might even be, oh, I'd, perhaps there's a chance that even my wife believes those rumors <gasps> oh, at no. this point. Yeah. Well, it would certainly like, oh, like she probably is like, no, no, I, I believe him. I believe him. But then like that affects her socially mm-hmm. and like stuff happens. And then maybe that makes her like reconsider. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like a very, like I've been honest, uh, you know, for 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 what we know of a relationship, she believes I am honest with her, but because it is a perception that exists out there, constantly it comes back in external forms. And like, how many times do you have to be reassured before your uh, faith in honesty starts to wane? And she's asked you, are you sleeping with the queen? And you can truthfully say no has she asked you Mm -hmm. do you love her yes of course (gasps) of course and you know it is that stoic redirecting of the conversations it is not proper to speak of this like i think it was during one of those conversations where uh i i got asked very directly are you sleeping with the queen and as i have said before many many times i say no um and like you know i move uh to reassure reassure her in some intimate way and she doesn't react and instead asks me do you love her Mm. and that you know i i close off i get up and start to leave the room and not looking at her staring at the door i say it is improper to speak of such things and leave oh no mm-hmm. oh no i had a follow-up question but i guess it does <laughs> i still want to hear it i still want to hear your question <laughs> yeah please okay um the tone of the rumors is it one of those things where it's just like the if you were having an affair with the queen, but it's just like, since you're not of noble birth, it's just like, it's whatever you're, it's just a fling with a commoner type of like a type of deal instead of it being, if it were, if you were of noble birth then it would be, a I mean, deal. there, there must be some kind of idiom about having an affair with an honor guard member, right? Like that is also something that is incredibly common in the noble court. She's taking, so, she's, she's, She's just pulling one from the quiver. Yes, yes. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Oh, what a metaphor. <laughs> I'm going to try to use that. The next time life. you're having an affair with, with uh, a guard. <laughs> or, you know, any one of the military class. Yeah. Who, who, who are selected yeah, partially for up, I can't wait. fuckability. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, heroes, that's it for One Shot this week. But don't worry, we've got more for the Queen coming up for you next week. And hopefully, I'll also be able to recover some of that lost audio. In the meantime, if you're looking for other great gaming shows, be sure to check out one of the other programs from the network. Like System Mastery. System Mastery is a delightful stroll through the history of role-playing games. Except the games are terrible and the hosts are real jerks about everything. Join hosts Jeff and John as they explore the weirdest games ever made to talk about what worked, what went wrong, and which Silverhawk was the best. It was Hotwing. You can find their shows at systemmasterypodcast.com or through a link on the OneShot website. Finally, we also stream plenty of programs over at twitch.tv slash oneshotrpg. Coming up in the next few weeks, we're going to be doing some fundraisers through our Twitch stream for Jeff Aldrich from System Mastery. So if you're excited to see a little bit of extra role-playing content, be sure to watch out on Twitter for announcements of charity streams. As always, we end one shot with a call to action, and this week, I'm mad about healthcare. I've seen our bad healthcare system hurt too many people who I love. If you have any extra time this week, I encourage you to call your representatives and voice your support for a single-payer healthcare system. Or at least a reform of our current very bad system that leaves a lot of people behind. 
Now, when I call my representatives, I use a site called fivecalls.org. That's the number five, calls.org. There, you can find issue summaries for important issues like healthcare, along with contact information for your representatives and a script to read while you're on the phone to make sure you get your message across. Calling takes just a few minutes and it can make a huge difference on issues like this. Everyone deserves better than this. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network, in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes.